welcome to episode two of the podcast from glamorgancricket.co.uk. I'm your host, Peter Miller, and in this edition of the podcast, I will give you a rundown of the results against Derbyshire and Kent, bring you interviews with Graham Wagg and David Harrison, and then an interview with Dominic Booth chatting with Colin Ingram about the upcoming NatWest T20 Blast. Since the last episode, Glamorgan have played two more four-day games. The first was against Derbyshire, where the game was drawn, but there was times when Glamorgan were in front for fairly significant portions of the match. During that game, a first-innings 100 from Will Bragg, batting at three, set up a first-innings lead with contributions from Aniron Donald and Chris Cook, pushing Glamorgan to 377. Cook was given the gloves as Mark Wallace was left out of the side for the first time in almost as long as anyone can remember. In response to this, Wallace scored a match-winning fourth innings 100 for the second 11 against Surrey, which will give him some solace, and it's useful to know that he's there as a backup if he needs to be brought back into the side. When they took the field against Derbyshire, Glamorgan bowled well enough with Michael Hogan claiming four wickets and the spin of Andrew Salter picking up three victims. The match was set up for a decent finish, but with almost a whole day lost on the Monday, it meant that it was almost impossible to set up anything exciting towards the end, and it petered out to a draw. While there was those positives against Derbyshire, for the match against Kent, the result was very disappointing. After winning the toss and deciding to bat, Glamorgan could only manage 260, at one point finding themselves five wickets down for just 103 runs. Late-order contributions from Graham Wagg and Craig Meshter allowed them to more than double that score with the last five wickets. There were few demons in the pitch in Canterbury, and Kent bowled pretty well, with Mitchell Claydon and Matt Coles both impressive for the home side. When it came to their turn to bat, Kent all but took Glamorgan out of the game with a massive first innings of 488, giving them a first innings lead of 122. Harry Podmore for Glamorgan claimed his first two wickets on his first-class debut, but all of the bowlers struggled to keep Kent's batsmen under control. Glamorgan looked set for an innings defeat when they found themselves 156 for five in their second innings, before a partnership of 215 between Wag and David Lloyd allowed them to at least set Kent a target to chase. Wag made his fourth first-class 100, and David Lloyd made his second ton at this level and his first in the championship in a partnership that was scored very, very quickly and with real aplomb by the two lower order batsman so they set kent 187 to win and the kent openers unfortunately made serene progress to the total as new zealander tom latham and young england prospect daniel bell drummond both remained undefeated as kent won by 10 wickets the next match is against worcestershire at home and a win against the pairs will go some way to recover from this poor start that glamorgan have had so far this season with them losing two matches and drawing one so far on that note, I spoke to David Harrison about the results so far, the pitches and the new toss regulations and the positives for the team moving forward. Here he is. So joined here by David Harrison, the head of analysis and assistant coach here at Glamorgan. How do you think it's gone so far, David? Is it, I mean, obviously, results-wise, it's been a little bit disappointing for you guys? I mean, obviously, at the start of the year, um, we, were very, we were hopeful of, of, of finishing first and getting promotion, which is still the case. Um, in the first three games, obviously two losses and a, and a draw doesn't represent the best start that we would, we would like we were hoping for. I think, however, there's been parts of each game where we've actually had a chance to, to get on a front foot and, and get an advantage. Unfortunately, we probably haven't taken that chance yet, but the good sign is that all our batters are getting in and getting scores. Um, and our bowlers are bowling good spells, but probably haven't been as consistent with the bat and ball um, as much as we've liked so far, but the signs are definitely there. Um, so we're still very hopeful. I mean, one draw and two losses, you know, only one team going up. No one's really pulled away too far 
in the first three games. Obviously, Essex have won two, but you know, the gap from fourth to, to bottom is only six or seven points, I believe. So it's still a long way to go. Now there's 13 games left. We're still looking to target you know, seven wins, and which will give us a great chance. So you mentioned there the positives, the good points. What, what, which point performances in particular that you've seen do you think have shown the most promise for the team going forward? Um, I think there have been parts of every game, really. I think there were parts of the Leicester game where we, we, we were on top but couldn't capitalise. Um, I think there was a really good improvement at Derby uh, on a pitch that was different to what we used to at Derby. It was, it was quite white uh, and, and quite flatter than we had in the past. Um, there was times in that game we actually got on the front foot. Um, it would have been a good game, apart from we lost one day uh, due to weather. Um, again, disappointed in the Kent, um, but we had, we had a good conversation and chat amongst the players and staff. And uh, I'm not going to put that right this week against Worcester, who are a good side and used to be in Division 1, playing against, against strong sides. Uh, so they're, they're hardened in that way. Uh, it's a good challenge. But a game which we think we can, we can win. So in terms of areas where you think you need to improve one, one of the things that's happened a fair bit so far this season is the side's been I don't know, 130 for 5 probably a little bit too often and then there's been runs lower down the order that's made the game a bit closer than it has been what do you think needs to happen with the top order for those big imposing totals to be set early doors what, is it just a matter of having a bit of luck going your way or do you think there's something that the team can do slightly differently um, yeah, yeah I think no, look at Going back to last year, you know, the <clears throat> six, seven, eight, and nine in the order were a huge strength of ours uh, and led us to winning winning a few games. I mean, like I said previously, the, you know, the top six, everyone's got in at some stage of the season and got a score but hasn't quite kicked on. So the positive for me is everyone's in form. The way we try to move forward now from this game is to make sure that when the boys do get in and they're very aware of the fact they want to kick on and get hundreds. Obviously, Graham Wag and David Lloyd making hundreds last week at Canterbury. Uh, Will Bragg at Derby. Um, so obviously, if we can get a few more hundreds, especially first innings uh, going forward, it'll push in a, in a strong position. Um, if our tail can keep wagging like it has, we can post 1250-500 and put teams under pressure. So, as somebody who sits and watches pretty much every ball of an entire season, what have you thought of the pitches with the new regulations that have been brought in as far as tosses are concerned? Do you think it's already seen a big difference in pitches, and do you think it's for the good or for bad? Um, I think actually the, the first three pitches we've had um, at Cardiff and Derby and Kent have been very good. Um, it's probably been less less movement for the for the seam bowlers that we've probably seen from this time last season. Obviously, with the new regulations, I think it's probably been a bit flatter, especially for April. No, notoriously over the years, April's a a time of the, of the season where seam bowlers you know licking their lips and again some movement and the pitches are quite slow. Where, however, the last three games have been very good cricket pitches for everybody. I mean, if, if you bowl well for long and if you get your get your rewards, you know, if you get in as a batter, as the scores have shown around the country, not just in our in our in division division one, people get hundreds, double hundreds, um, and it's been and it's been a lot of draws, especially in Div two, been a lot of draws so far. So that's why no one's really pulled away uh, at the top of the league with a big points tally. Um, so yeah, it's different, um, but again, it gives our batters a, gr- a great chance. Um, probably what they haven't been used to in the start of other seasons where it's been hard to score yeah. uh, and it's shown you know I think we just rather than getting 40s 50s if the boys can kick on and get those hundreds especially in the first innings it'll put us in a really strong position so we're a couple of weeks away then from 2020 starting from a coaching point of view is it a lot easier in terms of setting up drills for the guys and that kind of thing to have it in 
blocks of games. So, you know, you've had these first six weeks where it's championship yeah. cricket and then uh, T20 spread about, but obviously we've got the one day in the middle. Do you think if it was in an ideal situation, would you rather it was blocks in terms of getting the skills right? Are they that different across the different formats? Yeah, I, I think from a coaching point of view, I, I, I'm not sure what the players think, but I think it's easier to, to plan and practice when you have it in blocks. You know, the last six weeks has been four-day cricket to get a bit of a rhythm and a routine. You play, you rest, train, you plan, you play, you review, and you get into a bit of a into rhythm. And the same with T20. And there are, as are, a, a different skill set that boys need to, to, work, to work on. You know, with the bowlers, there's slow balls, there's variations, um, there's field placings for those slow balls. Batters, um, hitting lots of balls, attacking shots, um, playing spin. And I guess the way, the way that as coaches we plan um, to play certain teams, what are their strengths and weaknesses, um, talk about that with the players and move on that way. So I think in blocks it is probably easier for everybody. Uh, there are times in the past where it's been a four-day game with a T20 on the end, which will happen um, for us this year, which is difficult. And also it's difficult to get the guys to practice their, their white ball skills when you're in the middle of a, a block of a four days, trying to integrate those one-day skills while you're still in a championship mode, if you like, so you're not trying to cram all your your one-day skills in, in two days before you play Surrey first game, which we've got, which is going to be a, a tough game. So difficult, but I think in blocks probably works best for everybody. And then very lastly to ask you, are you excited about Sean Tate coming back, uh, having him here as a, a, a 2020 player? Do you still think he's going to be able to give lots of batsmen the hurry up? I think so. Obviously, I'm lucky I played with Sean when he came here in 2009. Um, extreme pace, something we haven't, we're not used to in counting cricket. Um, Obviously, fold him in the big bash um, last season and get back in Australia's side. So, obviously, he's in good form. He's still bowling quick. Um, played against him last year, Essex at Cardiff, and bowled very fast. Um, and also, you know, looking at his strengths as a bowler, I mean, he bowls fast and bowled good Yorkers, and he's up there with, with the best bowlers in the world from over 40 to 20, um, especially with death bowlers and wickets. So, he's going to be a huge asset for us um, with that pace. Uh, as much as the top of the order, but the bottom of the order blowing tails away. So, yes, yeah, exciting to have him on board, along with Tim Van Houten we got from um, Holland, who bowls quick as well. So we've kind of added a bit of pace to our attack this year, which hopefully gives us uh, an extra edge. Perfect. Thank you very much. Dominic Booth caught up with Colin Ingram to have a chat with him about 2020 and some other things. It's good to hear from Colin, and hopefully we'll be seeing him in a Glamorgan shirt soon, as soon as he's fit and able to do so. I'm sure he's extremely frustrated to have to sit on the sidelines, and his presence in the side will give everybody a massive boost. Anyway, here's Dominic chatting with Colin. I hope you enjoy it. Cheers, Colin. Thanks very much for joining me. Going to have a look ahead to our T20 campaign. Uh, we start here on June the 1st. It's a format that you've always favoured. What are your thoughts on, on how we might get on this year as a team? Yeah, firstly, very much looking forward to it. I think, um, you know, last season uh, in patches, you know, personally and as a team, we played really well and I think sort of showed we could beat anyone on, on, on the day. So, um, you know, hopefully this season we can uh, look ahead and just be a little bit more consistent, you know, uh, sort of learn from, from last year's experience because, um, like I said, in patches, really good. So, yeah, just looking forward to that mainly. It was, uh, you know, we played an exciting brand of cricket as well. Um, and, uh, you know, looking forward to that again. So with yourself batting at the top of the order and we've got Sean Tate as well bowling quick, that's the exciting brand of cricket, isn't it? Well, the fans are going to enjoy it, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, you obviously mentioned those two, but, you know, there's there's other local guys and, uh, you know, I think in terms of our squad, it's an exciting bunch and, and it sort of suits um, suits the way the guys play as well. So, um, you know, really looking forward to that and, uh, you know, hopefully we can create some uh, some real fireworks this season. 
So you played a little bit of, of sort of international cricket at, at the uh, ANT20 and, and one day formats. What's the sort of, how would you compare the, the sort of intensity and standards of the T20 blast here to, to maybe playing domestically in South Africa or internationally? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's right up there in terms of uh, the standard. Um, you know, I mean, you get great crowds coming in in the evening and uh, especially when the sun is shining. Uh, a few great uh, little grounds where, you know, you get a great atmosphere going that I've uh, been fortunate to be part of. And then, uh, you know, some of the bigger grounds around as well really pack them in. I remember last year at Surrey, it was uh, <laughs> yeah. about 26,000. So That's going to be open, our, we open our, our campaign at Surrey, so that yeah. must be so trying to get your time. In terms plan. of that, you know, um, it's right up there. And, um, you know, the standard of play has been uh, great, although the conditions are slightly different. You know, it can be, you know, can dip around in the first couple of overs as well. So, um, you know, I find it, uh, so, you know, absolutely fascinating, uh, you know, uh, and, and, just personally, I've thoroughly enjoyed the challenge. You know, uh, you play against a whole bunch more people. You know, back home I play against you know five other teams. You mm. know, whereas yeah, yeah, you're playing against you know a whole whole host of other teams and players, and uh, you know that's been really great. And getting to finals day or a quarter final, obviously going to be a massive target for us uh, this season. Oh, most definitely. I think um, you know when you look at the talents of the of the group, uh, you realise we you know we 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 can be right up there. Uh, you know, we just need to get a bit of momentum going and, and string a few together. Um, but I think, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, Glamorgan have done well in, in white ball formats. So, um, you know, hopefully we can build on that again. And, and, you know, with some of the younger guys being slightly more experienced now after a few more years, uh, you know, hopefully we can really put it together and go all the way this year. And personally, you did really well in the, in the one-day cup last year, a couple of hundreds in, in that tournament. Is it about balancing your form across the, all the formats, looking to the head of the rest of the season, or...? got a personal a personal favourite oh, I mean I, I think I've always done really well at one day cricket uh, 50 over cricket so you know um, I quite like the format in terms of batting it's a bit of a mix between longer version where you can take your time and, and you know really dig yourself in and you know and in T20 cricket you obviously put your foot down so it's a bit of a mix for me and I, I've thoroughly enjoyed sort of uh, you know especially as a top order batter getting in and, and, and trying to take it deep so in that way I always look forward to 50 over cricket um, but for me right now, you know, goals for the season is mainly get back and, and start hitting balls again. Whether they're red or white, it's, it's not going to make a difference to me. I'm, uh, you know, I was extremely looking forward to the season, and it's been, um, it's been, you know, highly disappointing that I'm that I'm missing out right now. So hopefully, get strong and, and get back. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's red or white, as, as long as I'm hitting clean. I was going to say, we were talking before, a little bit frustrating to miss the start of the season. Does that maybe keep you a little bit fresh for the T20 stuff, or would you just want to be playing? As many games as you possibly could. Yeah, I'm one of those who wants to be out there playing as much as possible. So it has been frustrating, but um, you know, you know, definitely coming back into an exciting part of the season. You know, with having T20 cricket, so um, so I'm looking forward to it. And I know that you know it always gives uh, when you when you sort of add another format to the season, uh, sort of gives the squad a bit of a boost and a you know a bit more energy and and something to look forward to. So um, you know, hopefully I can work my way back towards uh, getting back for then and and. Um, you know, getting some exciting cricket under the belt. I hope so. Lastly, and by no means least in this podcast, I had a chat with Graham Wagg, currently sitting at the top of the run scoring charts for Glamorgan in first-class cricket this season. I spoke to him about batting, bowling, a little bit about pitches and tosses, 
Also, he was the second person to take on the Brain of Glam quiz, following on from David Lloyd's 11-point performance last time. So, here's Waggy. He's always great fun. Joined here by Graham Wagg. I thought we could have a chat about his season so far and what his thoughts were on how things have gone and his performances in particular. First thing I wanted to ask you about, Waggy, was you are the leading run scorer for Glamorgan in first-class cricket this year. How's that feel? Yeah, that feels nice. Uh, the wicket column isn't stacking up, so um, that's disappointing. But batting-wise, I feel in a good place at the minute. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot more work to be done on my bowling. I noticed in the certainly in the first game, you were bowling some left arm spin. Is that something you guys have been focusing on over the winter, or was it just we'll have a punt because the pitch was quite flat? No, it's something I've definitely worked on. I know Jake's is keen on me working on it, so um, it's something I've always done as a youngster as well. I've bowled quite a bit of first class spin, but yeah, my main goal is obviously left arm and swing it back to the right handers, and unfortunately, that hasn't sort of been as high a level as what I expected so far. So felt good all pre-season, but, you know, unfortunately these things just don't happen and, you know, a little bit of luck hasn't gone my way, but, yeah, far from um, the standard where I set myself. So do you think that the new rules that have been brought in as far as tosses are concerned have had an impact already? Certainly the scores are stacking and we've had lots of people making lots of runs. Not that I'm trying to suggest that you're 300 runs in first-class cricket because the pitches were flat, but I'm saying, you know, has it made a difference to you as a bowler, do you think? Have you noticed that surfaces are different from this time last year? I think so, and I think just looking around, you know, looking around the country at the minute, the scores are stacking up a lot more to last year. And, you know, rightly so, I think um, the bowlers, it's a... It's more hard work, This, this, especially at the start of the season. Um, you're normally walking up looking at sort of damp, damp green wickets, semen all over the place, and it just hasn't, it hasn't happened. And I think we, as a country, are in a good place at the minute, if that is the case. I wouldn't like to see them going too flat coming into the summer, because um, I, don't, I don't particularly like that type of cricket. But I think at this stage of the season, yes, playing all four days and the best team wins is is where the country should be at at the minute and not a two-day game because I believe that's, that's, that's no good for anybody. So in terms of your form, is it more kind of just how it's coming out of the hand and how much swing you're getting rather than a frustration at the pitches that you've been facing? Do you think that's kind of the, the issue that's, got, as you said, the wickets column not maybe stacking up as much as you wanted it to be? Yeah, it's definitely not the pitches, you know. Yes, it's harder work, but, you know, we've all bowled on, on flatter wickets than what we have been. So, yeah, it's, it's just a couple of technical things I've been working on. We've been working really hard this morning to try and put that right for this game. So it's not a big worry of mine. I know it's only just around the corner. So I'm fortunate enough to be able to bat and bowl. Um, you know, just looking around the change room and, and, and like I say, all around the country, people who just bat or just bowl, it is hard work and potentially wouldn't actually be in the team if I didn't bat. So, um, yeah, standards are set high within the club. Ideally, we haven't got off to the best start, but, you know, I can't say anymore that we, you know, we're working really hard to put it right. Great. Okay, let's try a quiz. <laughs> so, the, 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 person, the second person to do the Brain of Glam quiz, as I've... I've named it. Last week, it was David Lloyd, who scored 11 points out of a possible 20. So that's the score to beat. So there's 90 seconds on the clock. Some glam, some cricket in general. So here we go. Which player is the most recent to reach 100 first-class hundreds? Mm, Mark Triscotti. No, Mark Rampakash. Who has the most runs in a first-class career for Glamorgan? Steve Jones. Alan Jones. Um, how many first-class hundreds does Graham Wagg have? Four. Yes, correct yes. answer. <laughs> the highest score in Test cricket is 400 not out. Who made it? Lara. Correct. 
On which ground will Glamorgan play Pakistan A this summer? Newport. Yes. Who's the leading wicket-taker for England in Test cricket? Jimmy Anderson. Correct. Who's the leading run-scorer for England in Test cricket? Cook. Correct. Who has the most first-class runs in 2016 so far? Chris Rogers. I don't know. Tom Wesley. Who has the most first-class wickets so far in the 2016 season? Don't know. Graham Napier. Which club has a badge that features three pairs? Worcester. Correct. Where would you find the Wacker cricket ground? Perth. Correct. How long is a cricket pitch? 22 yards. Correct. What year was the first World Cup held? Don't know. 1975. Which batsman is the only one to score 100 international hundreds? Tendulkar. Correct. How long do you have to get to the crease after the other batsman before you've been out? Three minutes. Correct. Which county play at the St Lawrence ground? Uh, Kent. Correct. I make that 11. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think you've done all right. I think 90 seconds is... Out of how huge. many questions was that? I asked you 16 questions and you got 11 Take right. That. Take that. Take There's that. 20 in theory. Um, but we didn't get that far. Okay. Right, OK, so, yeah, you're tied with David Lloyd. There's a tie at the top of the leaderboard. Lovely. Yes, so uh, we, will, uh, we will see how the, the season goes on, uh, and we will see who is up next for the quiz. Thank you very much, Wacky. All the best. Sure. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Cheers. So that's all we've got time for for this edition. We'll be back again in two weeks for more of the same. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Please do share it amongst your friends and let people know that it's happening. If you've got any suggestions that you would like us to do for the podcast or anyone that you particularly want to hear from, let us know. You can tweet me at the Cricket Geek or tweet the club at Glam Cricket. Try and keep the comments nice, though. Thanks, and take care of yourselves.